Gorbachev to tear down this. Welcome back to the Cold War. Operation Ajax continuing episode 256. Yeah. My little rogue one. How are you, buddy? (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) Tell me about... The misunderstood genius fascist that was Sir Richard Stokes, or whatever his name was. Richard Stokes. At the end of the last episode, we said that um, Avril Harriman getting nowhere really with Mossadegh (laughs) or the Shah or or the Ayatollah uh, flew to London to try and get the the British government to take this more seriously – and yes. Prime Minister Attlee, Labor Prime Minister, decides to send the Lord Privy Seal, Richard Stokes, to yes. Tehran as an envoy to try and negotiate something with Mossadegh. Now, it's going to be great. I mentioned at the end of the last episode that Richard Stokes was an out and out public and proud <laughs> fascist. Right. right. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about the Lord Privy Seal. Oh, please. Yeah. The fuck is the Lord Privy Seal? So, are you the stamper? I don't know. I'm making that shit up. Go ahead. Sorry. Pretty much the Lord. <laughs> Ke- more formally, the title is known as the Lord Keeper of the Privy Seal. Right. Um, the fifth of the great officers of state in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. King Kingdom. Yeah, I will call it the Kingdom. <laughs> it is the Kingdom. <laughs> Right, ranked just below the Lord President of the Council and above the Lord Great Chamberlain, this oh. uh, title. Right. Originally, the holder was responsible for the monarch's personal seal, the Privy Seal. He walked around as opposed that. to the Great Seal of the Realm. Oh, which is under the care of the Lord Chancellor. This is the monarch's personal personal yeah. seal. Yeah, yeah. That's. That's the entire job. <laughs> what do I? What do you do? Carry a stamp. I, I carry a box around with a stamp inside of it. But but I have yeah. Lord in my title, so fuck all the way off. But yeah, not a Lord. No, not no, so. No irony, irony. Yeah, one of the <laughs> oldest officers in European governments. Uh, right. Doesn't really exist today. Thank Christ. Has no because the privy the use of the privy seal. Yeah, it's digital. No, I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't been used for centuries. Right? Like there is no oh, know that. need okay. for this. Like <clears throat> it's such a, that's probably apart from what we do, it's the greatest job ever. <laughs> what you Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. What do you the... what do you do, Dick? Yeah. Dick Stokes. <laughs> which was a great was my porn name. Dick Stokes. Uh what do you do? I did it. Well, I had a porn name <laughs> on this show once, on one of our shows. Yeah. What was my porn name? Oh, God. It's been too many. It's been, we're in our second decade. I can James Caffin. Yeah? yeah. James Caffin actually did some artwork, I oh, think. God. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. For it at the time for my porn name. I can't remember. We got to oh, get him on the phone. Got to look that. Get, get him on the phone. Anyone knows what episode <laughs> I talked about my porn name. Anyway, Dick Stokes. What do you do? 
I'm the uh, Lord Privy Seal. What's yeah. that? I basically carry around a stamp. Yeah. And oh, ink. really? And yeah, ink. yeah. 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 How how often does it get used? <laughs> uh, not often. How many times has it been used since you've had the job? Oh, none. When was the last time it was used? God, I'd say what what day is it? Um, Tuesday. Four hundred and fifty <laughs> years ago. Well, you give that job to your. So mate. your job is to yeah. carry around a thing that oh, never gets God. used. Well, how much do you get paid for that again? Like my penis. Yeah. How, do, how, do, how does one get that job? Well, you just be a fascist, really. Uh, write a few pamphlets on fascism. And um, they're like, fuck, what do we do with you? I don't know. Let's give you the job that is completely unnecessary. <laughs> we even it's have fascists in our cabinet. Yeah, go ahead. It's the it's the British equivalent of vice president in America. Yes, yes. There's really nothing for you to do, no, no. responsibilities whatsoever. Cut it's a fake ribbons. job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, Anywho, that's the, the the Lord Privy Seal. Right. Um, You're about to go into Stokes' background in diplomacy. He speaks several languages and how many times he's been to the Middle East. Go. No, I'm still talking about the <laughs> oh, Lord sorry. Privy Seal. So I apologize. Don't, I apologize. Don't, don't, don't rush be me. premature. Don't be premature. <laughs> I, I got an hour on this. <laughs> 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 it hasn't been used for hundreds of years, but you've got an hour on this. Fuck, uh, this is what yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, to yeah. be with Cameron. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to my brain. Um, <laughs> squirrel. Um, so, no, seriously. Yes. Focus. When Clement Attlee took on the, the running of the government, right. the position of Lord Privy Seal was combined with that of Leader of the House of Lords and or Leader of the House of Commons. That makes sense. But uh, he, the the office of the Lord Privy Seal, Mm -hmm. unlike those of the Leader of the House of Lords or the Leader of the House of Commons, was eligible for a ministerial salary. Oh, right. So you do get paid for the job that doesn't really exist. (laughs) Right. But it did not confirm membership. Of the House of Lords. Oh, I don't want it. Uh, yeah, I don't want it. So your Ernest Bevan, yes, uh, said that he he got the job when he I think re- resigned as Foreign Minister. Yeah, and he famously said holding of the office meant that he was neither a Lord nor a Privy nor a Seal. <laughs> I love I love Canadian humor. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian humor. He's Canadian. Ernie Bevan? Oh, no, not. Yeah, is it Bevan? Was he the one that owned the newspapers? Shit, I got to look that up. But I could have swore he had, uh, he owned several or one big Canadian newspaper. Maybe I'm getting my Brits mixed up. I apologize. Ernest, Ernest Bevan? Who am he I thinking of? British oh, I'm thinking of um, Beaverbrook. I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else. I, I apologize. I'll edit all that out. I apologize. Oh. Don't edit it out. Let people see what I have to deal with. Let's see people see what I have to deal with. You want to fucking do an hour on a job that doesn't exist anymore for fuck? No, but I'm going to do an hour on fascism (laughs) in the UK. Now, Richard Stokes. Yes. So he was a member of a number of fascist groups in Britain. Wow. um, Including uh, a group called the Militant Christian Patriots. (laughs) Wow, that's a mouthful. Which 
you know, sounds like something Ron DeSantis or yeah. Ted Cruz or whatever would be involved in. Exactly. Um, it was a short-lived but very influential uh, organisation in the UK mm-hmm. immediately prior to the Second World War. Right. And was very influential in trying to keep the UK out of any upcoming European war, mm-hmm. put a lot of pressure on Chamberlain to, you know, sign uh, the... Um, Munich. Yeah, the, the treaty with Hitler. Yeah. Basically say, you know, do whatever you want. We don't care. Check state. Um, okay, my whatever. name is Paul. This is between <laughs> y'all. I'm outing. Um, because they were pro-fascism and mm. very much against communism. Right. For you know many of the reasons that we've talked about um, in the past, mm-hmm. Christians were terrified of communism because communism basically shut down religion as being one of the tools of the oppression of the masses. Absolutely. And so Christians didn't want that. They were also these militant Christian patriots, uh, very much against Zionism. Oh, okay. That was actually their avowed aim, was to oppose Zionism. Now, as everyone knows, because we did a long series on Israel, um, except um, uh, what's the name of our Jewish listener who got upset with me over our bullshit filter episode on Israel Gaza last week? I can't remember his name. Anyway, (laughs) obviously didn't listen to that. Um, I saw that, yeah. the, The whole... The whole creation of Israel mm-hmm. as a as a nation in Palestine and and the approval for them to immigrate there, the the European Jews in the first place, was largely driven by Christian Zionists in the United Kingdom at the time. Right. These guys were the counterweight, were trying to be the counterweight to that. They were against Zionism. Mm-hmm. Left their run a little bit late, though. I mean, it was by the late 30s, it was a little bit late. It already sort of was well underway. Right. Um, but they also announced their support for Hitler and established links with Nazi Germany because he didn't like Jews. Right. They didn't like Jews. When, when? He didn't like communists. They didn't <laughs> like communists. Uh, he, like them, thought the communists were all Jews or communism was being run by. Yes. A, it was a Jewish conspiracy. Yes. Um, so they they were like, mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And part of their argument to Chamberlain for staying out of a war with Hitler was right. the war with Hitler was being organised by Jews. It was a Jewish conspiracy. Oh, don't fall for that trap. Um, yeah. That was uh, uh, sort of painting Hitler as a bad guy. Right. Uh, which Hitler would have agreed with. Yeah, um, like, oh, they're slandering me. They, yeah. they were all about uh, Christian identity, Christian ideals, and they wanted to introduce what they called militant Christianity into all aspects of British life. Sounds healthy. Now, yeah, they had several uh, uh, enemies that they targeted. One was the League of Nations, sure, run by sure. Jews, right? Um, psychoanalysis, <laughs> Freud's a Jew. Freud, yes, um, yes. The, the political left, they're all Jews. Oh, um, political and economic planning. Jewish conspiracy. Jews. Yes. Roosevelt, Jew. <laughs> Just his name is, you know, what did um, Father oh, well, McLaughlin call yeah. him? Uh, Rosenveld. Oh, it was his Rosen- original name, Rosenveld. Yeah. yeah. Fuck's sake. Well, their family's original. Name right. Rosenvelds. 
Um, they were campaigning widely in support of the nationalists during the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. depicted the Spanish Civil War as a battle between Christian forces and the Antichrist. You're damn right. They had, a, they had their own newspaper, the Free Press, uh-huh. Uh, in 1935, people would sell it in the streets. News vendors would sell it in the so streets. It's not free. Well, they give it away. <laughs> no, just fucking... Mostly free press. They had a second newspaper, right. the Britisher, which Ooh, uh, the British they started publishing in 1937. Right. lot of um, publishing efforts and quite a lot of people were like high-profile people were supporting it. Oh, yeah. They, uh, you know, believe that Bolshevism Mm -hmm. was a Jewish conspiracy to take over the world. Sounds right. Yeah. And they were supported uh, by, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of British elite, a lot of members of the British elite that were in this thing, including Richard Stokes, as I said before. Right. Now, Stokes was a successful businessman. He sort of inherited his success, though. That's a, that's Born kind. in London in 1897 to a family of engineers who uh, started or ran a company called Ransom and Rapier. Rapier? Rapier? Right. Ransom and Rapier. They were Rapier and Rapier and <laughs> Rapier. Not, like, you could not. not... Good. And then we'd have to ranch you to clean you up afterwards. Uh, they yeah. should have. Well, it was a ransom. <laughs> they, would rant, they would rape you. Then ransom. ask for a ransom if your family wanted you back. And if they didn't want you, they'd rape you some more. Ransom. Yeah, yeah. And not charge you because it's free. A major British manufacturer, initially of railway equipment and then oh, cranes. Making money. Existed from 1869 to 1987. Damn. This, this, Where's uh, my inheritance? Company R&R. Bullshit. Sorry. During the First World War, they started producing guns and tank turrets and shells. Yep. And their um, managing director and chairman at the time, Sir Wilfred Stokes, mm-hmm. who got knighted for this, invented the Stokes mortar. Mortars had fallen out of use in oh, wow. England yeah. by World War I. Right. Since the Napoleonic Wars, they didn't really have need for mortars because they were just fighting barbarian tribes yeah. in yeah. Africa and places like that. Yeah, but... Um, in the World War One, the Germans were using mortar, so they figured, oh, we need our own <laughs> mortar, and he kind of reinvented it. Oh, gotcha. And he, he um, was knighted for that. Richard Stokes, right. his Richard. Uh, nephew, I think, or grandson, I can't remember. Yeah, he was made CEO at age 30 of the family firm. That sounds right. So he's rich, privileged, member of the British elite, full-on oh. Catholic, right? Big, 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 big Catholic, and he's right. a Catholic fascist. Now, as we Those know, best, right? Because we've talked about, it, yeah, the best kind of fascist is your Catholic fascist. As we know, during World War II, before and during World War II, the Vatican yes. was kind of pro-fascist. Um, and after World War II, right? You know, they had the rat lines to get the fascists out of. Oh, yeah. Italy to get the fascists out of Argentina. Croatia. Yeah, get them out of there. All these, yeah, Germany, of course. Right. Uh, re- you know, getting a lot of the fascists out and hiding them in Argentina. Yeah, so brothers. Among other places. Or right. uh, America. Yeah. Um, don't work <laughs> no. for NASA. That's true. Yeah. Um, 
so the you know the Catholics obviously hated the Jews um, and also hated the communists because you know, a religion, b it's a Bolshevik conspiracy, Jewish right. conspiracy, right? Um, so he's one of those. They, they in a lot of the publications that they would put out, they talked about the international money lender. That was their code for you know Jewish control Jews. of the world, as we know, yeah, right? They're not doing a good so job. immediately yeah. after World War II started, Stokes joined the British Council for a Christian Settlement in Europe. Oh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely, yes. It was an alliance of pacifists <laughs> and fascists. Um, that basically, okay, go we, ahead. We, we want, we... We want uh, the Christians to win this, not the yes. Jews, no, or the communists. Right, bad. He was also, and this is this is going to blow everyone's minds. <laughs> he was also a member of the Society for Kinship in Husbandry. Not not cow fucking. What exactly? A little bit of that. <laughs> I the mean, sheep, sheep loving kinship. is a different. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. The Society for Kinship in Husbandry was a British organization. What the fuck? Yeah, please continue. That invented the idea of organic farming. So, oh, right. The whole idea of sustainability, organic farming, returning to nature's ways, yes. returning to Love the land. It. Yes. You know, yeah. is having it organic? your own little. Yeah. Having yeah. your own little, you know, farm where you grow your own vegetables and your own chickens, your eggs. Sure, <clears throat> sure. Started, that whole movement was started by the Society for Kinship and Husbandry. Nothing wrong with that. Who were fascists. Right. And here's the thing. Right. The whole fascist thing for purity of the bloodline oh. and pure pure living there's this Wagnerian call yes. back to goes back to yes, you know, pure bloodlines to, to pure bloodlines, um, the Aryan Jerry. purity, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yes, love it. Part of that was, you know, what we need to get out of the cities. Everyone's right. moved to the cities. It's polluted. They're, they're mixing. We're, we're not meant to live that way. Yeah, right. we're mixing. Yeah, mixing the mix. colors is great Iggy <laughs> Pop song from the early 90s. <laughs> mixing the colors. Great song. Uh, off his album, American Caesar. Great album. Look <laughs> oh, it up if you've cool. never listened right. to that. Great album. Um, so, yeah, it started with these guys. That It was all about... Um, so, Purity, living healthy, yeah, clean blood, clean bloodlines. And we're fascists. I read this whole fucking article on it. It was <laughs> mind-boggling, man. Right. So, so they did something good. Organic farming, fascism. Yeah. Up until about up until the early 70s, when that woman did um the simple spring, no, the spring, whatever the it started the hippies started taking it over <laughs> right. in the early 70s. But before right. the hippies. Yeah. We're into it. It yeah. was the fascists. <laughs> the Gotta fascists were the original hippies, I yeah. guess, is what I'm <laughs> saying. Slightly different worldview, but yeah, yeah. So everybody has one good thing, and and going back to nature is theirs. So good, so good for them. So, Mister Stokes, so, yeah. Uh, by the way, it wasn't yeah. just the Catholics who thought the Jews were the enemy. Um, and the communists were the real enemy. Neville Chamberlain 
thought that. Right. One of the reasons why he did the deal with Hitler. Like yeah. there was a lot of people back then who were like, you know what, say what you want about Hitler, yeah. but he hates the communists and we so, all hate the communists. So, you know, he, he yeah. can't be that how, bad. How b- <laughs> and he hates the Jews. He hates no. the Jews, so he yeah. can't be, can't be all too, that bad, right? Too bad. And I want to point out that even, even the yeah. Christian Zionists hated the Jews. It's not like the Christian Zionists like the Jews. Right. But Christian Zionism believed that Jesus wouldn't return until the Jews controlled Israel. Jesus was going to come and smite them all. Right. Because they killed him. Right. Makes and sense. they didn't believe in the same God the right way. Right. But, you know, they had to control Palestine. Let's Israel, the Jews needed to control Palestine so Jesus could return right, and, and wipe out the communists and the Jews. Wow. That's, that's layered. That is layered thinking. Wow. Lord Halifax, Neville Chamberlain's foreign secretary, also hated the Jews and yeah. hated the communists. So when war broke out, Stokes became the de facto head of the pacifist element within the parliamentary Labor Party. Yes. Who weren't in power at the time but would end up in power, as we mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. sort of towards the end of the war. Right. In January 1940, as I mentioned earlier, he actually wrote and distributed a pamphlet Mm. called What Is Happening in Europe? Yeah. Where he said that Germany was a great nation who had been misjudged (laughs) Right. And essentially forced into her aggressive action by the Jews. Oh, fucking Jews. Yeah. They'll get you if you don't watch them. They'll get you. For fuck's sake. People were reading this going, oh, no, this makes sense to me. This, You know, this is how I think. Good guy Stokes. That's all I'm saying. Well, unpopular opinion, he... Coming, everyone sit down, strap yourselves in. But I've said this before. Right. Germany was forced into what they did in World War II. I'm not talking about exterminating the Jews. I'm talking about the land grab, right? Right. We've talked about this before. You know, again, unpopular view, but this is my view as an amateur historian. Mm -hmm. Germany and Japan and Italy were being locked out of this land grab that had happened in the 19th uh, century. They missed out. You had the UK, France, Spain, the United States. They'd all had these massive land grabs. Yes. um, In the 18th and 19th century, and it goes back earlier, obviously, the – you know, to the, the the British and the French and the, the, the Spanish and Portugal, whatever, mm-hmm. going back into the great age of conquest, they had captured all of this territory. They built all of these economic trading blocks um, and Germany, Italy and Japan were tiny countries, um, either landlocked in Germany's case or just mountainous, rocky regions without a lot of access to natural resources in the case of Italy and Japan. Right. They didn't have massive empires. They tried. I mean, Japan had tried to take Manchuria and bits of Russia, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. had some success. But they were they were trying to get access to what every country had been trying to get access to, which is yeah. economic trading blocks where you get access to 
natural resources that you don't have domestically right. and markets that you can buy from and sell to at, with privilege where you get access to cheaper resources and, and yes. cheaper markets. Trading blocks and what it was all about, economic trading blocks, and Germany and Italy and Japan had, had for a variety of reasons, not been as successful as these other nations had in those. And by the early 20th century, they were being squeezed. Germany had also been punished, obviously, with the Treaty of Versailles after World War One. They'd been crushed right. economically, deliberately no by their enemies. And not right. because of World War One, because they wanted to crush Germany as an economic rival, right. uh, keep them down. I mean, Germany was a great nation, had been a great nation, you know, had been several great nations, obviously Prussia and Austria before this, mm-hmm. um, had been either an ally or an enemy of all the other European countries at different stages. And, you know, the the, the geopolitical mathematics was if you can take out one of your rivals – you have a justification oh, yeah. to take them out, cripple them economically and militarily for a generation or two. That gives us a generation or two to establish, you know, you know, further extend our power and Absolutely. our domination over this region. And the Germans fucking knew that, and the Italians yeah. and the the Japanese knew that. So they were trying to get some that everyone else had, so they could right. look after their people, and you know, they wouldn't be. It's this, you know, if you take a John Mearsheimer. Um, realist view of geopolitics, it's a struggle for domination. All of these countries realize that if you're not number one, you're somebody's bitch. Right. Geopolitically, yes. right? Zero-sum game. If you're not number one in your region, somebody's going to come and grab you by the balls and take right. your shit and there's nothing you can do about it because exactly. you can't defend yourself. You right. can't defend yourself because you don't have access to the natural resources and the wealth that you need to build a great army and maintain a great army and have a buffer zone and have bases in other countries or, you know, oh, yeah. economic ties and trading blocks. It's basically, you know, geopolitical realism. Right. Uh, and they all understood that. Yeah. So they were kind of forced into it, not necessarily by this vast Jewish conspiracy, but by other countries that were trying to keep them down. And, right. and Stokes, in his pamphlet, blamed it specifically, the war, on Poland and Czechoslovakia. He blamed Poland, calling it a state monstrously swollen by aggression. Mm. And Mm -hmm. we know there had been a lot of aggression between Poland and Russia and Germany. And fascinating uh, for me uh, is that just recently my mother managed to get from one of our uh, Polish relatives, right? A lot of background on our family's history from Poland. Her oh, father cool. had Polish ancestry, mm-hmm. and you know we've got all of this stuff going back, you know, hundred and fifty odd years of our family's um, heritage in Poland. Mm-hmm. And when my grand, when sorry, when my grandfather's grandfather right. was born. I'm not going to do the greats because that's too hard. <laughs> My grandfather's grandfather was born in Poland, but it was actually part of Germany at the time. Right. It was like 1870s, I think early to mid-1870s. Mm-hmm. So Germany had just become a nation and they'd taken part of 
what had been Poland or the Kingdom of Poland or the Duke of Warsaw under Napoleon in right. the early 1800s. Uh, they'd taken that, so he was he was called German Polish on all of his. Mm. We've got all the actually, we've got all of this paperwork between my great 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 grandfather and the Australian government. They came here in about 1911. Oh, cool! When he was trying to get his passport, and he had to provide all of this documentation, and he's called a German Pole, right? Because he was Polish, but born in Poland when it was part of Germany. Yeah. So anyway, you know, this part of the world had a complicated history. Absolutely. Stokes called Poland a state monstrously swollen by aggression. Mm. He called Czechoslovakia a fortress state absolutely directed against Germany. And he was advocating in this pamphlet that Hitler should be invited to London sure. for a week. Sure. Spend the week at Czechos, mm. home of the Prime sure. Minister. Sure. And uh, they should do a deal. Work it to out. To figure out, yeah, how do we help you, yeah. Hitler? Take yeah. control of Europe because yeah. really, what's in the best interests of Europe would be Hitler running things. He felt right, yeah, uh, because the, the 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 Bolsheviks are trying to take over Europe, yeah. and we would be all be better off if we if, had Hitler running things. If a non-Jew was running it, I, makes sense to me. And this is the guy that Atlee decides to send to Mossadegh as the <laughs> envoy. Of the British government. Okay, I, I'm reaching here a little bit, I know, but I'm trying to make a point. I wonder if Ali knew, I mean, Ali's got to know Stokes' past. He's got to know everything about him. He's like, I'll send this guy, he'll fuck it up or nothing will happen. I mean, I don't want anything to happen, so he's actually the perfect guy to send to Iran. You see what I'm saying? Again, I don't know that for sure, but Ali's a smart person and he's got to know about Stokes' past. Why did he choose him? Because he had nothing else to do except for carry around a stamp. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah could probably. be that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the same reason when, you know, somebody approaches us about doing some sort of a deal, I send you to the meeting. It's like, yeah, I don't want yeah, the deal no, to happen. No. I just send yeah. Ray. Like, He'll you know, fuck it up. He'll be high. So, <laughs> yeah. He won't even to... turn up at the meeting. Oh, I was supposed to be where? <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. Uh, he showed up, he humped our legs, asked us <clears> if we had any gummies, and he left. So no deal. <laughs> Stokes gets to Tehran. Right. His instructions are to tell Mossadegh that the oil company would accept the principle yes. that Iran's oil belonged to Iran. Oh, there's an idea. And that they were now willing to share the profits on a 50-50 basis. That's so Okay, that's a However, oh shit. Okay. The British would retain all control over right. drilling, sure, refining, sure, and export. This was the deal that he was authorized to put on the table to Mossadegh. Now there was one small problem with that deal, a, Ray. A tiny, what was it? 
Well, this was actually the same deal that Muzzle Jackson offered them six weeks ago, and it had already been turned down by Mossadegh. But he was told by London, look, it's the same fucking deal, but maybe move some of the words around, you know, dress it up a little <laughs> bit, present it a little bit, you know, put a bow on it. But basically, yeah. this is as Put a swastika on it. Put a swastika, if, if that works. This is as far as we are willing to go. Now, Mossadegh, yes, again, he is only 24 hours from death, but the, he, Stokes has got to know, and London's got to know, he He's going to spot this in a second, but this is as far as London is willing to go. Oh, uh, Dick. Now, Mossadegh yeah. may not have had Wikipedia or ChatGPT. <laughs> he didn't need it. Or he YouTube. Did, he didn't need it. But Mossadegh was no... Would, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. But he was no dummy. Right. So he knew who this guy was. Yes. Give me a file on this guy. Yeah. Yeah, he had a file. (laughs) So Stokes arrives in Tehran. He sits down. Yeah. And before he can say anything, Mossadegh says, may I ask you a question? Yes, of course. Mr. Stokes. Yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, Heil Hitler. Yes. Mossadegh says, are you a Roman Catholic? (laughs) Oh. Of course, he knows the answer. You never ask a question you don't yeah. already know the answer exactly. to. Exactly. Good listen. Except when I asked my wife last night if she wanted to have sex with me. and <laughs> You never know. Apparently, uh, And she said, with night. you, no. And that was the end yeah. of the conversation. <laughs> with Ray? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right. Stokes he, replied yeah. that he was a Roman Catholic, and Mossadegh well said, "Well, you're, you, you, I, I can't talk with you then. We, we, you're not suitable for the mission." Why not? Stokes is like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Mossadegh said, "Well, Catholics don't believe in divorce, and what we want is a divorce <laughs> from the British government." Boom! And again, that's his opening line to this guy. That's his opening. That's his, his like first move. Yeah, but. But Stokes, to his credit, comes back with one. And he goes, well, from what I know, this sounds closer to something closer to murder than divorce. So, again, they're getting, they're getting along like gangbusters. Everything's going swimmingly. It's, it's all fine, for fuck's sake. Mossadegh is a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. He is a He'd funny, be fun. funny guy. He would be fun oh, to he talk to. He would be to. fun. My kind of guy. Get him on the show. So obviously discussions aren't going very well. Right. And in the middle of all of this, July 31st, Anglo-Iranian, the oil company, decide they're going to shut down the refinery at Abadan. Oh. They said we've got no alternative. Yeah. The tanks yeah. are full. The tankers can't sail because the Iranian government say that they have to provide receipts for how much right. oil they take and they're just not going to be doing that. So Exactly. Uh, basically, we're going to shut it all down. So it's not going well. Mossadegh told Stokes that he was willing to negotiate only on three points. Number yes. one, yeah, the British removed the letter M from the English <laughs> alphabet. Just do that for me. Just do it for me. No, number one, the continued <laughs> sale of Iranian oil to Britain to meet its domestic needs. He goes, we will continue to sell you oil. Yes, our oil will sell it to you. At a reasonable price. That sounds fair. Right, right. I like this. We will talk about the transfer of British technicians 
mm-hmm. to the national oil company to help Ours. us run things. Right. And yeah. three, the amount of money that we will pay you to take mm-hmm. over all of your oil-related assets. This, this is great. This is like, We're not this for- is like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, see, this is another point that I want to make. The, yeah. the, the way that it often gets still portrayed when I get into arguments with people about this yeah. online yeah. is that Iran just stole all of British, the AIOC's assets. Right. It's the same way that Americans think Castro did it in Cuba. That's what but, I was about to I say. And I talked about this in our yes. Castro Obit episode. Right. Here we have, and this is like well, uh, nine or ten years before yeah, exactly. Castro. Yeah. Um, Mossadegh, like Castro, uh, a, a decade later, offered to buy all of the assets. Yeah, yeah. We will pay you for them. Give us some time. We'll pay you. When the British refused yes. that offer, then he took them. Same with Castro. Exactly. He yes. offered to pay money for all mm-hmm. of the American assets in Cuba. Right. When they refused the offer, not even, well, you know, that's not enough money. They didn't even, no negotiation. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you won't let us buy them from you, then we are left with no choice. Yeah. But yeah. we have to take them because we need, them. We need to run our country. And, and, and this ours? shit's on my land. Yeah, it's good. On mine. my property. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Say Possession what is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> well, remember. That's it took- what D'Angelo says about Heather. <laughs> That's right, when he's, when he's deep. Um, and, you, and you have to remember that it took, it took a, several of these um, arguments that these guys are having to even get the British to consider the idea that the oil that is in your soil is yours and not ours because we have this contract. So, again... Some progress, but again, it, it defies common sense. It's in their it's in their land. It's their oil, but Britain has a very hard time seeing that because they don't want to. But they're not getting anywhere. N- this is going nowhere. But you know, just this point, I think, is um, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were willing to pay for it. Yeah, make it rain. Yes. Yeah, now, yeah. maybe that you know they didn't have the cash in the treasury right now to pay for it. But I don't have over it now. time, yeah, I don't have it now. I, I have to transfer uh, the money from my savings yeah. to my checkings, yeah. and it you takes got, three days. Yeah. You got the money. <laughs> no, yeah, I got the money, but I don't yeah. have it with me. No, you I got the drugs. It. Oh, I got the drugs, but I I don't have them with me right now. They're in a safe place. You give me the money. And then I bring you the drugs. <laughs> oh, you you give me the drugs, then, then I bring you the money. No, 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 my friend. No, 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 my friend. And when they call you your friend, that's when you know you're fucked. Get out of there. But the point is, they're banging heads and not in a good way. They're getting nowhere. So uh, in the middle, midst of all this, uh, Stokes and Harriman decide to fly to Aberdeen for themselves to have a look yeah. around. And yeah. this is a really fucking incredible story. So when they get there... The British consul, mm-hmm. uh, not Stokes, but the British right. consul in yeah. the area, whose name yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't I could, find. Me neither. Yeah, yeah, you didn't even look, but I did look and couldn't find it. I knew. Um, you first, tried to kick, 
<laughs> that's how you looked for it. Is you? I just I knew waiting Cam for me to look Cam for it. it. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, and then yeah, when yeah. you say the name, I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. 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 yeah him. <laughs> oh, him. Yeah. 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 Bobsy. Bobsy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the British consul first tried to kick out the Iranian officials who were in Abadan because he didn't want Stokes to see Iranians there ah, when he right. got there for his little tour. That Bad would be look. awkward. Yes. Then yes. he threw a massive temper tantrum <laughs> when an Iranian car drove ahead of his in the caravan that right. was taking uh, Stokes to the refinery, yes. he wrote a furious letter Damn to right the local governor Damn right. demanding assurances that, quote, in the future the representative of His Majesty's government is not subjected to such indignities. There was a end car. Quote. There was an Iranian local driving who just happened to be in front of the caravan coming from the airport. That's it. But because they're British, by God, don't you? Uh, this is an indignation. Oh my God, this can never happen again. But that's okay. That's okay because because um, the Iranian government they've got a response. Yes, they <laughs> said, "Oh, we're so sorry," and then kicked him out of the country. They kicked out the consul. Get the fuck out of here. But before he left, he sent what? a cable to London suggesting oh. that he would wait in Basra in Iraq. Right. So that he could be of assistance if, quote, in the event of a military action, end quote. And everybody's expecting this any second now. Britain can only take so much. And like you said, they need the oil. It's a part of their defense uh, uh, system. Um, so he's, he's ready. To, I'll, I'll go over here. And when the shooting starts, call me and I'll come back and we'll get back to what we were doing. Now, that's that's um, that's his experience. That's Stokes' experience. Harriman's got a different one. Harriman gets there. He doesn't have the drama. And he looks around and he's like, fuck, this is this sucks. So he says to Truman, he writes to Truman. He goes, look, these truly are slums. And for such a large, powerful, rich Western company, th- there's no reason these people should be lo- leaving like this. And then he ends with, he tells Truman, the British obviously held a completely 19th century colonial attitude towards Iran. And I think he nails it. He fucking nails it with that one sentence. They still see these people as not subhuman. You're just not as good as us. We will do whatever we want and you will fucking be grateful for what we do because you've been blessed by the British Empire. And he ends with, there seems to be little respect or earnestness on the British, uh, Britain's part. And I think he nails the entire situation with that one with that one sentence. I may I may be fucking a British woman, but that doesn't mean that I like them. No. 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 And I may Stokes be watching the videos you make. Sorry, that's a different <laughs> <laughs> Stokes's mission to Iran finally came to an end when Mossadegh offered to negotiate the oil company's just claims for compensation. Yeah. He said if the British accept the right of Iranians to control their own oil industry, right? Then uh, he was willing to, you know, talk about the claims for compensation, yeah, the just claims. The just. That sounds great. Stokes, Stokes. cabled the Foreign Office asking for permission. Yeah, this to sounds explore good. the offer. This could be good. And was told there would be there were to be no further concessions, and he should break off talks immediately and return to London. Oh. Even he was starting to go, we might actually have something here. London goes, nope, 
quit talking, get your ass home now, this is over with. And London is not done yet fucking with Iran. Yeah, so on August 22nd, British cabinet imposed a series of economic sanctions on Iran. Now, again, I want to point out this is the Labor government yes. of Clement yes. Attlee. Doesn't matter. This Doesn't is matter. also after um, the creation of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. When did um, the UN uh, actual... Um, Hit the gavel on the thing? I don't know. Yeah, so, well... I'm trying to f- remember when all of the laws about economic sanctions would have taken oh, effect. Right. Um, Where you can't unilaterally impose sanctions on a yes another country. Uh, yeah, because I'm not sure if that was created ex- you know, on the first day of the United Nations or if it kicked in a couple of years later. Right. Um, I'm trying to, but it yeah. would have, I think it would have been in place from the late forties, 1950. You would think I by ni- think, uh, August of 1951, you, you would think uh, we don't want to assume anything. So Britain put sanctions into place. Now, you know, I, I want to, uh, uh, stick on this a point, uh, for a moment and just, yeah. Yeah. you know, r- point out that this is the way that Western governments use sanctions. Yes. You know, you know, as a way of punishing countries where they're not getting their way. Mm-hmm. And also it's a form of terrorism. Yes, economic Sanctions. Terrorism. Yeah. Well, you know, the definition of, well, terrorism is to punish the civilian population of uh, people. Right. In order to bring about some sort of political change right. that you want to have. The people this suffer, is why the government changes. Yeah, yeah. Despite what um, our Jewish listeners may think, our Israeli listeners may think, I, Itai Lieberman is the guy I was talking about who was complaining about the mm-hmm. Moshe Filter show. Great friend of the series, great friend of our shows, no right. problems with Mr. Lieberman. Thank but, you. But, um, uh, yeah, look, uh, I've got no issues with having a debate about this. Yeah. Um and, and you know, and I and I guess for Israelis it's very close to home. And I know he's no sure. fan of Netanyahu either, but sure. the what Israel is doing in Gaza at the moment is terrorism. It's state terrorism and it's also genocide. Yes. You know, um by definition, it, it is genocide. Genocide is when you're attacking a people in part or in whole, wiping out a people. In order to uh, you know get rid of them as a, as a problem, right? When you're targeting people based on their race or their religious identity, mm-hmm. um, and you're destroying them in part or in whole, you don't have to completely wipe them out. Even in part, even yeah. if you've wiped out one percent of the population, which they have in Gaza, that's by definition. Uh, genocide. Yeah. And when you're attacking a civilian population in order to bring about some sort of political change, right. they want to get rid of Hamas's leadership in Palestine. That is state terrorism. By definition, that is what terrorism is. Uh, so economic sanctions are also a form of state terrorism because mm-hmm. you're attacking a civilian population by limiting their access to goods and services trying to cripple their economy in order to bring about a, a political result that you want. Right. So this is what the British did 
They prohibited the export of British commodities, including sugar and steel, mm -hmm. directed the withdrawal of all British personnel from Iranian oil fields, except the hardcore of about 300 administrators from Abadam. Yeah, so going to watch you it. Know, keep, an, keep an eye on the shop. Keep the lights on. And blocked Iran's access to its own bank accounts <laughs> in British banks. Right. And you know the Britain, when this was all set up, probably said, you will store your money with us, of course. Of course. And now they freeze it, seize it, whatever the proper term is. And now you, you were talking about um, not, there's no more oil being produced. It's not being shipped out. The money is going to start drying up. And now they can't even get access to the money they already had in British banks. So Britain has played this game before. They know what they're doing. And they know this is going to hurt Iran. Which, to be fair, they should have seen coming. They should yes. have withdrawn all of their Thank money you. out of those banks. Thank you. Yes, that's what I was but thinking. But not easy. I mean, you can't just go and extract no. you know, $100 million <laughs> out of the bank account easily. You know. 20 bucks at a time. How would you like that, sir? Yeah. yeah um, a big bill. They should have said it. Yeah. <laughs> I want some ones. I want some. Anyway, yeah. Actually, I want it all in pennies. And can you send them in a tanker? Just send us a tanker full of pennies. <laughs> We'll throw the tanker in if you don't mind. We, yes. we might need the tanker. Yeah. Brilliant. You should have been in charge. Yes. So what happens the very Mossadegh, next day? Sorry, go ahead. Mossadegh gave a news conference the next day saying, yeah. the result is nothing. It is no good. Everything is finished. Fuck. And Stokes gets on a plane and heads back home. This is August 23rd, 1951. All of the stuff that we've been talking about for the last two hours has come to nil. Nothing's happened, except if you want to have a result, the tension is higher than it's ever been before. Clement Attlee, on the other hand, yeah. sends a cable to Truman <laughs> saying, I think you'll agree, breakdown in talks entirely due to Persian side. Yes! Only course now is, we hope, for complete U.S. public support of His Majesty's government's position. Oh, look, they fucked it. Uh, you saw we did everything we could. We bent over backwards with these people, and they just, they're recalcitrant. I think that's the word I'm looking for. I certainly hope we can have your support, Washington, in these troubled times that we in no way caused. Thank you for your time. Fuck. And again, like, this is the Labor guy supposedly on the left he might be Labour. Not no, he's he might be Labour. Party. He might be Labour, but he's British first. And Attlee mm. knows, you know, world economics. You need the thing. You got the Cold War billion about to kick off. Yada 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 yada. We need that oil. I I don't have time for niceties. We need the oil. And colonialists are colonialists are colonialists. Yes, exactly. You know, you, don't respect as them. you said, British are British. Br yeah, and like, Britain's more Brit. From a Cold War, but yeah, but they, like from a Cold War perspective, you know, and I can't drive this point home enough. Right. Remember, like we're in the middle of the Cold War, early yeah. years of the Cold War here. Yeah. The communists are the bad guys right. trying to take over the world, you know. Uh, yeah the bully boys that are going to enforce their will upon the peace-loving, democracy-loving peoples of the world. <laughs> right. The British and the Americans and their allies are supposedly the good guys. Damn right. And this is the British government yes. in yes. 1951 and their treatment of the Iranian people. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck your country. Fuck your rights. Fuck your diplomatic negotiations. Fuck your democratic elections and your democratically elected government 
They're, you know, there there are no good guys. In, yes, except Mossadegh. Probably right. is the good guy here. If, if I could, real quick, I thought you were going to say something along. And we've said this before, um, but when when the Cold War first starts up, Americans have a certain mentality, which I think probably precludes this. But you and you and I have said this before. You would think with the Cold War going up, London would go. We got to make sure, even though we don't want to, that. Iran tolerates us, maybe even one day likes us, because if they do, if the government topples or the people don't like us, maybe they switch to communism. Maybe the Russians don't have to come in. They can just say, you know what? Fuck you. We're turning towards Moscow. Let's, let's, let's keep as many people on our side as we can. And again, I think that's probably a mentality they could not grasp at this time in history. But you would think maybe someone might have thought of that. But the point is they're treating these people the exact way they should not be treated at the beginning of the Cold War. Yeah. But they can't help themselves. So Atlee writes this letter to Truman going, all their fault, not our fault. Truman yeah. obviously yeah. is getting Harriman's point of view and right. um, he blames the British for the failure to reach some sort of a diplomatic negotiation here. He sends a reply back to Atlee saying that neither the British nor the Americans should take any steps that, quote, would appear to be in opposition to the legitimate aspirations of the Iranian people. Oh, that doesn't sound like support. I'm just saying. It doesn't sound like support. <laughs> but just to make the point that the Americans aren't necessarily the good guys yes. uh, at this point, even at this stage, before he leaves Tehran, Harriman, yeah. the harasser, yeah. <laughs> goes to meet with the Shah one more time. Hey, Shah. Right. And suggests during the meeting that, the time may have come to sure. have Mossadegh removed as prime minister. Yeah. Because I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you need to do it because no. I know you've already told me. Right. There's nothing that you can do. Right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Larry David's gesture. I'm just saying. Someone, someone can make it happen. That's all I'm saying. You know, or if it happens, it wouldn't be the saddest pretty, thing in the world. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> Easy. He should be removed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, by legal. But he did finish with by legal means. But you're right. The Shah goes, legal means? I can't touch this guy. Why? Because I like my head where it currently is. Well, that's where we'll leave it today. Complete and utter breakdown. And uh, we'll be back next time to yeah. talk about what happens next. Descended across the continent.